what they showed was this striking, clear-cut relationship that the more saturated fat you ate, the higher your risk of Alzheimer's disease. So that the people who ate the most had two or three times the risk. The good news is that if you're avoiding those things, it looks like you can dramatically reduce your risk of ever getting Alzheimer's. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for giving the show a listen this week, a download, a view, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. So, I gotta ask you to put on your thinking caps, because today's show is all about the brain. We're going to be exercising your melon, giving you some ideas on how you can keep yours in tip-top condition even as the years roll by. And we're going to learn about a study showing that mushrooms could be one of the keys to keeping your mind doing just fine. But let's get serious for a second, though. It's a big fear that's so many of us have. The fear of losing our cherished memories as we grow old. We don't want to lose what's nearest and dearest to our heart. We don't want to lose those days where everything clicked and that is what life is all about. We don't want to lose the weddings and the incredible first dates that came long before them or birthdays and anniversaries that have been filled with love. Or the first day of school or graduation. We don't want to lose those nights that have been filled with friendship and laughter, cracking each other up long after others have gone to bed with smiles beaming so brightly that they light up the night. We want to get lost in the moment, but we never want to lose those moments, nor do we want to lose the people that we shared them with? And that is why today I am honored to be joined by Dr. Neil Barnard, who will be here to show us a few things. One, that it's important that we realize that a family history of a disease doesn't mean that it will be your history. He's going to be here to explain how genes that carry those traits for Alzheimer's or dementia, those genes, those are like little switches that we can flip on and off with our diet and our lifestyle. Two, he's going to be talking about the foods we should be eating to lower our risk of developing Alzheimer's and dementia. What foods will flip those switches off? Three, What lifestyle modifications we can make in addition to eating that good food to also lower the risk even further. Four, he's going to discuss the role that supplements can play in the onset of these diseases. And five, the types of pots and pans that we should be avoiding to keep our brain as healthy and as happy as can be. Because believe it or not, what you cook with can be as as important as the food that you're actually cooking. 
But what I think struck me the most is that I didn't even realize why this is such a personal mission for Dr. Barnard. He and I and millions of others have a lot in common in that regard, which is why this show is so important. Because it's about hope and it's about information that can change our destiny. And along those lines, dietitian Maggie Neola, she will also be here examining research that shows that mushrooms could be one of the foods to keep our brains in tip-top condition like we were talking about. This is really promising research that shows that they can help to prevent and slow mild cognitive impairment. Mushrooms keep the mind sharp. How amazing is that? Little itty-bitty mushrooms, brain food. So this is a brilliant conversation that you're going to want to stick around for. And also worth sticking around for, a brand new recipe from Chef Lauren Kretzer. All about, you guessed it, mushrooms. Lauren is the creator of the wildly popular Exam Room Burger, which we rolled out a couple of weeks ago. And this time, she will be whipping up farro with miso mushroom, kale, and walnuts. Sure to knock your socks off. And this recipe is perfect for a cool winter's night or a fall night. You know, the seasons are changing right now perfect for that and it's so easy to put together too you do not have to be a master chef to do this but this recipe is certainly one that she mastered you're gonna love it so are you ready let's get started first up in the exam room today is a powerful conversation with dr neil barnard You're listening to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, sitting across the table from, geez, you are just kind of the man, Dr. (laughs) Neil Barnard. Thanks so much for taking the time. Great to see you, Chuck. I came across your book not that long ago, Power Foods for the Brain. Been familiar with it for years, and then we had some people write in, and they were like, hey, let's talk about power foods for the brain. I want to make sure that my brain is in tip-top condition. We've talked about, you know, how plant-based diet can affect athletics, heart disease, cancer, things like that. Let's focus on the brain. And I said, you know what? I've got the book. Let me get the man. Let's put a segment together. And here you are. Thank you. Um, First question for you is, I mean, really, let's talk about fat. Everybody, you, you talk about diet, you talk about fat. So, We know that bad fats are obviously bad for the heart, but how are they in terms of the brain? Right. Um, It's a huge surprise. The the big theme that that comes around is that what's bad for the heart ends up also being bad for the brain. And when I say bad for the brain, I'm specifically speaking about Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And i got to tell you, Chuck, if you make a list of all the things you never want to get in your life, at the top of that list is going to be Alzheimer's disease. Because mm-hmm. when you get that, you've lost absolutely everything. And researchers in Chicago, they were with Rush University. They started a thing called the Chicago Health and Aging Project. They rounded up a large group of people, and they tracked what they ate. They didn't tell them what to eat. It was just, what are you eating normally? Um, okay, for breakfast, I have bacon and eggs. And for lunch, I have hot dog, whatever it is. They added up the bad fats that they were eating. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about saturated fat, the, the fat that's solid at room temperature. And some people in Chicago didn't eat too much of that. Some ate quite a lot. And what they showed, 
was this striking, clear-cut relationship that the more saturated fat you ate, the higher your risk of Alzheimer's disease. So that the people who ate the most had two or three times the risk of developing the disease compared to the people who generally avoided it or ate ate more modest amounts. Here's the thing. Saturated fat, its number one source is dairy. And think people don't really think about it, but cheese, butter, whole milk products, whole yogurt, that's the biggest source, and meat is number two. Um, The good news is that if you're avoiding those things, it looks like you can dramatically reduce your risk of ever getting Alzheimer's. And, And by the way, one other piece of this. Saturated fat we think of as the bad fat because it raises cholesterol. But there's another one, and that's trans fats, right. the, the partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, where they take an, a liquid oil, but they chemically change it to turn it into a solid, and that's what we call a trans fat. And they are as bad as saturated fat. Um, they act just like lard. And, and a lot of places have actually started banning trans fats. Like, it's not uncommon to go to a restaurant or something and say, no trans fats in our food, right? Right. And, and that's partly because of, of um, the laws on this have changed, where mm-hmm. they're being forced to. The danger, though, is they're saying, okay, we won't use trans fats, so they won't use uh, a partially hydrogenated oil. But what they're using instead is coconut oil mm. or palm oil. And i got to tell you, they are as bad as lard. Right. Um, they are heavily saturated. And even though you, you hear a lot of press about coconut oil is natural and whatever, uh, use it to shine your shoes. You know, do not swallow this stuff right. um, because it's, it's, it's unhealthy. So, and that goes for coconut oil and palm oil both. Well, let's, I, I want to use some members of my own family as an example here. Um, Alzheimer's, unfortunately, has struck a number of members of, of my family. I just lost my grandmother to it uh, earlier this year. Um, and both her brother and her sister had it as well. And now we're seeing some set in with the younger gener- or the next generation down. So I look at them and... My grandmother and my great aunt and great uncle, they were never overweight. These weren't heavy set right. people, but you look at their diet. These are southern people. You look at their diet and I'm thinking bacon. I'm thinking, you know, eggs with cheese, as you say. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for there to be some sort of a fatty chicken type of meal. Turkey tetrazzini was another right. one of my, my grandmother's staples. So you look at that and, and you would think you're talking about a high saturated fat diet, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person has to be obese to be at risk here, right? Oh, you can be rail thin. Right. It's a question of which foods are going into your body, and that's true for heart disease, that you can be, you know, overweight increases the risk of everything, but even a thin person who eats badly will still get these conditions. Uh, you can get type 2 diabetes. We associate it with obesity, but you can be thin and get type 2 diabetes. Um, and so these bad fats are really bad actors, uh, throughout. So, yes. So, let's let, and we've talked about this next part on the show before. It's my favorite thing epigenetics and that, that genetic switch, if you will. Just because a person has a history of this in their family, if they don't eat these types of foods, that means that the risk of that switch being flipped is significantly lower. Chuck, I think that's really the critical thing. You know, as people can get tested, um, it's called the APOE Epsilon 4 allele. That's, that's a mouthful. But, um, you know, people are doing 23andMe or, or whatever it is, and they're, and they're getting tested. And they find, do I have the, the Epsilon 4? That's the bad one. Right. Uh, do I have 3 That's or 2? 
those are not the bad ones. Right. Um, and if you got four from mom and four from dad, you are what we call homozygous for epsilon four. That puts you at the highest risk. Your risk of Alzheimer's is 10 to 15 times higher than it would be if you didn't have that. So people are feeling condemned to the disease. However, researchers in Finland did an interesting study. They looked, again, at the bad fat, saturated fat, and what they found is that even those people who happen to have that ApoE epsilon 4 allele, the gene that supposedly condemns you, if they did not eat the bad fat, their risk of having memory problems in older age was dramatically reduced. Mm. Dramatically, I mean, hugely reduced. So it's as if we have genetic possibilities. Your genes say, you could get Alzheimer's disease. You could get diabetes. You could have heart disease. But if you live a lifestyle that keeps those genes shut off, um, we, we believe that we have a lot more control over, the, over, over genetic expression yeah. than we had, had thought. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the important distinction. You could, as opposed to you will get this, you know, could versus will, huge difference. G- genes act, they turn on, they turn off all the time. You know, uh, you're a little baby, um, you start to grow, eventually you get hair follicles, so you can, you can grow a beard. You couldn't grow a beard when you were six. Well, what changed? <laughs> um, and then a guy hits 50 and he starts losing his hair and he's bald and, and somebody else who's got different genes isn't bald. How do these genes turn on? How do they turn off? There are genes for lung cancer, um, interestingly enough. Um, however, what the, I mean, there are many genes, but one gene in particular, it's strongly related to whether people got lung cancer or not. So if you got the gene, you're going to get cancer? No. What the gene does is it helps your body. Uh, in this particular gene, you have enzymes in your body that, that help your body to eliminate carcinogens. Mm-hmm. If you have this certain genetic pattern, you can't eliminate those carcinogens very well. So you're going to get lung cancer. But what that means is if you smoke, that gene is really a problem for you because you're inhaling carcinogens and you can't get rid of them because of the gene. But what if you're a non-smoker? What if you avoid secondhand smoke too? Then that gene is irrelevant because you're not inhaling the carcinogens. You see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. there are genes for Alzheimer's disease that might have to do with laying down beta amyloid plaque in the brain or whatever they're doing. But if we eat in such a way, and we lace, in such a way as to keep them silent, and we exercise and, and do other things, then you have a lot more power over this disease than genes alone would suggest. At least that's what we think. Now we need a lot more research on all these areas, I believe, but. Um, the bottom line message is tremendous optimism that in a family like yours, like mine, where grandparents, my grandpa spent the last years of his life sitting in the corner of a room not knowing anybody. Yeah. Um, we can change our destiny. And I was just wondering, I was like, you speak very passionately about this topic. Every time you and I have talked about it, you speak so passionately about it. And it's personal for you. It's personal for me. Um, my grandfather had this problem and when he was gone, my grandmother had this problem and my father had this. Um, and it's a terrible thing to see family members lose absolutely everything and you lose them. But it's more than personal. Um, you can be into, you can get on any bus, you can get on any train, you can be in any movie theater. And the person sitting to the next, next to you has got the same tragedy in their family. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is that we can do something about it. Yeah. And 10 years ago, I would never have believed this was the case. But that's where we are now. 
All right. So um, we've talked about how fats could flip that switch. What about metals in the yeah. diet? I know that that's, that's another one. Uh, iron and aluminum. Yes, th- th- that's exactly right. You know, back in the 1950s, iron was thought to be a completely good thing. The more iron, the better. In fact, there was a, a compound called uh, Geritol. I think, I think you still buy it. They had uh, commercials for Geritol. If, you're, if you have iron, poor blood. That's why you're tired. Take Geritol. It's got more iron than an entire pound of calf's liver. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's what they used to say. And so everyone thought, great, more iron, better. But what we discovered is that iron is good in a tiny amount. You need a little bit so that the red blood cells have the iron to make hemoglobin to carry oxygen. That's iron's job. Get a little bit too much. In the same way as a cast iron pan can rust, iron in your body will will oxidize as well. Each iron molecule, yes, iron molecules will oxidize in such a way that they create free radicals which damage the brain. Wow. Uh, Copper, same story. You know, you take a copper penny, bright and shiny. Sure. uh, Ten years later, is it shiny? No, it's oxidized. It's turned dark. Copper, you need copper. In your diet, tiny, tiny amounts for enzymatic operations. But the copper in your body will rust, so to speak, oxidize, just like iron does, creating free radicals. So um, where does this matter? Or, or in what situation is this going to affect you? Got a cast iron pan. Um, I use it every day. The iron is getting into my food, and I got too much iron. Or let's say I'm a meat eater, or I'm eating liver. You're getting huge amounts of iron that the body cannot keep out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a good thing. That's a problem. Um, the uh, free radicals will attack the heart. They'll attack the brain. Uh, so the, 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 the good news is that now we know that if I get my iron, well, two things. Throw out the meat. All right. You'll, Meat's you, gone. Yeah. Um, throw out the animal products altogether. Now where are you getting iron? You're getting iron from green vegetables and beans, and they have iron in a slightly different form. It's called non-heme iron in plants. And it's completely different from the heme iron that's in animal products. In plants, if you need more iron, because let's say you're a little bit low in iron. Right. If you need more, your body will absorb more of of the non-heme iron. If you've got enough already, your body will absorb less. It's the kind your body can regulate. uh, regulate. If it's heme iron from meat, your body can't regulate it. Mm. You might have all the iron your body could ever use, and your body will still absorb it from meat because it can't keep it out. Mm Mm-hmm. We thought that was a great advantage years ago. We now know that that's a killer. Interesting. Interesting. And and a lot of people will turn to iron supplements thinking that they, they need those. A lot of those, I would assume, would be heme iron, correct? They may be, but you should not take them. Okay. You, you should not take iron supplements at all, ever, unless your doctor specifically tests you, has found that you are anemic, and you have specifically iron deficiency, and then you can take it under your doctor's direction. Um, That is rarely needed. And so what I mean is, let's say a person is fatigued. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm low in iron. There's a million reasons to be (laughs) fatigued. You're probably not low in iron. Don't take that stuff. Same with copper. But let me say a word about aluminum. Yeah. Um, Aluminum is is, um, in a lot of cookware. It's in cans and so forth. And researchers in England years ago discovered that in areas where the water supply had a lot of aluminum in it, Alzheimer's rates were 50% higher. Mm. Um, And the the aluminum was added in the water purification plants to try to – because it's it's used to settle out uh, dissolved solids. Okay. And you then have to remove the aluminum. Um, And if they don't remove the aluminum, then you're drinking it. 
and some communities have high aluminum water. And, and you can check on the EPA website. You put in your zip code. They'll tell you what your water is like. If you don't know, get bottled water. I'm talking about the, you can get those big tanks delivered to your home or, or you can get a reverse osmosis filter. They will remove the aluminum. Nice. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. I'm, uh, you're right. I mean, the aluminum is everywhere. Yeah, the cookware, the cans. Oh, I've got to tell you. You can't get away. Aluminum foil. You can't get away from this stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, let's say... Uh, if, you, if you wrap a sandwich in foil, probably no big deal. But, but if the foil is covering the lasagna, you know, that you had as a leftover from your Italian meal, and it's kind of eating through the aluminum, the aluminum is dissolving into your meal right. hour after hour, don't do that. <laughs> and and I've got to tell you the worst thing. My dad used to have acid stomach. And he would go to the store and buy, buy uh, Maalox, liquid yeah, Antacid. familiar with it. Maalox stands for magnesium and aluminum hydroxide. You're drinking aluminum. No kidding. If he bought, yes, it, don't buy this. If he bought Tums or some other just calcium uh, antacid, he wouldn't have been drinking aluminum. Man. No, I, 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 think, I think people should just completely avoid those things. And if you get a, let's say you get a one-a-day vitamin. If the vitamins have iron added, don't buy them. If, and many of them have copper added. Don't buy them. Um, the Centrum company makes Centrum silver, meaning I'm over 50, silver hairs. Um, they take the, alumina, uh, they take the uh, iron out. That's good. But they left the copper in. So I am calling on the Centrum company to get the copper out of their multiple vitamins because you're getting it in foods and you're overdosing if you get it in a multiple vitamin. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so we've talked about the things that are bad. We've talked right. about fats. We've talked about metals. Let's talk about some of the good things here that we can be doing for our brain. Vitamin E specifically, what role does that play? Yeah, vitamin E is an interesting thing. Uh, I was mentioning earlier the Chicago study, the Chicago Health and Aging uh, Project, where they showed that saturated fat was bad. Vitamin E turned out to be good. Uh, the people who ate the most vitamin E had half the risk of developing Alzheimer's compared to the people who neglected their vitamin E. Mm. But there's a big however here. If they got it from foods, and the vitamin E-rich foods, there's some in broccoli, some in mangoes, and so forth, but the, the big vitamin E foods are seeds and nuts. Um, they have a lot. If you got the vitamin E from foods, it worked. If you got the vitamin E from pills, it didn't. Hmm. And we, knew, we know this story already. This story we heard with beta carotene. Years ago, uh, researchers said, hey, people who eat a lot of vegetables, carrots, uh, they don't have much cancer. And maybe it's the beta carotene, the, the orange pigment that's in carrots and sweet potatoes and so forth. So the researchers did a study. They brought in people who were at risk for cancer, uh, smokers. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, half of you get a placebo pill. The dummy pill does nothing. The other half of you take beta carotene pills. And what they found was that as the years went by, the people taking the beta-carotene pills weren't protected. They had more cancer than the people who didn't take them. Whoa. This is exactly the opposite of what the research was supposed to show. And another st study showed exactly the same thing. The beta-carotene pills were hurting people. So how can that be? The carrots have beta-carotene, but they have dozens of other carotenoids, cousins of beta-carotene, in a balance that we evolved with and that our bodies can take advantage of and that beta-carotene is an antioxidant that you can use. If you take a pill of beta-carotene, it's got just beta-carotene and none of the other 
carotenoids in it. So you're absorbing this huge load of beta carotene and you're probably suppressing the absorption of the others. That's what happens with vitamin E. If you take a walnut and you chew it up and you swallow it, you're getting eight different kinds of vitamin E that nature came up with. Right, right. They're in a certain balance that we evolved with. If you go to the store and you buy vitamin E in a pill, it's got one or maybe two forms of vitamin E that suppresses the absorption of all the others, and you're at worse risk. Mm -hmm. Throw them away. Now, B12 is, is different. B12 is, works in any form it's in, so don't worry about that. The B12 pills are fine, but vitamin E, don't buy it. Get it in the food. Um, so we talk about fat, though, and, and I'm thinking nuts, by and large, have a lot of fat in them, also rich in vitamin E, so we're talking about moderation here, correct? Yeah, you got it. Um, there, are four there are four vitamins that are fat-soluble. They're A, D, E, and K. And so the, they come along with fatty foods. Mm -hmm. um, and with, with vitamin E, you're right. Nuts are um, not only a good source of vitamin E, they are, nuts are also addicting. So you take your hand and you pour in some smokehouse almonds. And, um, I have two tips. The first tip is you, you almonds or walnuts, fine. You pour them into your hand. Um, once the amount you want is maybe an ounce a day. You don't need more than that okay. to get the vitamin E. And once it hits your fingers, that's more than an ounce. So you pour them in your hand. Don't let it hit your fingers. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. Tip two, don't eat them. Crumble them up. You, if you Crumble them up. Put them on your salad. Put them on your pancakes or on your oatmeal. Use them as a, an ingredient, as a flavoring. If you take those almonds or walnuts and you stick them in your mouth, you are going to fill your hand again because they are irresistible. So use them as, don't use them as a snack. Use them as, as a, a flavoring. Those smokehouse almonds, they will get you every time, every single time. Um, you mentioned B12. Uh, let me ask you about B6. Is that a factor here at all? Um, B, yes. Um, your body actually uses three B vitamins. One is folate, mm -hmm. one is B6, one is B12. Gotcha. And what they do is they work together to shovel out of your body mm -hmm. something called homocysteine. And homocysteine is bad for the heart and is bad for the brain. Gotcha. So you want them, them, them all. The thing about it is, though, that folate you will get in foliage. That's where the name comes from. So green leafy vegetables, foliage, folate, that's the B vitamin that um, does a lot of good things for you. It, it's a DNA repair repairman as well. So if DNA has been damaged... Folate is part of the mechanism for fixing it up. Uh, B6 is in lots of foods. You're not going to get low on B6 if you're eating your beans and vegetables and whole grains. You're going to be fine. But B12 you should supplement. And you can get it in multiple vitamins, but with the caution that I mentioned earlier that a lot of multiple vitamins have iron and copper added. If you go online and you get a multiple vitamin that says vitamins only, that's fine. But... You can also just go to the health food store or the drugstore and get a bottle of just B12. Oh, yeah. That's all you need. And the amount your body needs is 2.4 micrograms. And every pill, in every vitamin B12 pill at the store has 100 or 500 or 5,000 micrograms. You say, all I need is 2.4 micrograms. You will not find that pill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you do is you just get the smallest one you can find and you take it every day. Yeah. You know, when I, when I first switched to a plant-based diet, and uh, was told that I need to take B12. I didn't realize how little I actually needed. So I'm taking one of those supplements, just B12, every single day. And coincidentally, I'm doing a segment um, 
upstairs with one of the doctors at the Barnard Medical Center, and they checked my blood, and the B12 levels <laughs> came back, and the doctor's jaw just hit the floor. He's like, this is off the charts, man. It's like, you're okay, but you can probably dial it back a little bit. Yeah, well, the good news is B12 is not toxic. Yeah. Um, so you, do, you haven't done yourself any harm, but the amount in some of them is really ridiculous. And so um, you can take, take get the smallest one they sell, yeah. take it every day, or even every other day. But, but you know, the converse is, is also really important. Don't not take it. Right. Um, if some people have the idea, un- understandably, that I want my nutrients to come from foods, mm-hmm. I, and I want to get things from nature. And I think that's right. But, but here's the point, Chuck. You don't live in nature. No. You live in New Jersey. <laughs> um, or you live in Texas. Or you live in California or something like that. Um, vitamin, it, it, it's like vitamin D. Vitamin D normally comes... In nature, it comes from the sun. Right. Um, so if you're in nature, you get sun, it hits your skin, it makes vitamin D, you're fine. There's no reason to take a vitamin D supplement, except we're inside. And if we go outside, we're using a, uh, a sun blocker. And so people are not getting vitamin D, so they might need a supplement. Um, nature is fine, but you know sometimes you've got to make up for it. B12 in nature is made by bacteria. Animals don't make it. Plants do not make it. It's made by bacteria. And so some people will speculate, all right, before the advent of modern hygiene, the bacteria in the soil, on plants we would pick up, on our fingers, in our mouths, whatever, that that would give us the B12 that we might, that, that we would need. Well, those days are gone. Uh, modern hygiene has really eliminated that. And frankly, I don't know that that was ever reliable. So people should, don't be a hero, take a B12 supplement. There is no downside to it. And if a person doesn't, um, if you get low in B12, you can have become anemic. Mm-hmm. You can get nerve symptoms that can be permanent. Um, and, by, and by the way, I don't want to scare people about this. A vegan diet is great, but you need to take B12 with it. Most people who are B12 deficient are not on a vegan diet. Most, right. most people who are B12 deficient are meat eaters who are on an acid-blocking drug or they're on metformin or their body is not making stomach acid anymore or for whatever reason they can't absorb B12. Right. If they take, and those people need a supplement, and if they take a supplement, even without stomach acid, you absorb the supplements really well. Good to know. All right. So take a B12 supplement. All right. Let's, let's put a capper on food. I know that the listeners are probably wondering like, hey, okay, so we've got all this information, but outside of nuts and, and leafy right. green vegetables, what should I eat? So bad fats, obviously bad. That takes bacon out of the equation for breakfast. So what are some other yes. breakfast foods that you think we should be eating? Okay. Um, all right. So my Fargo, North Dakota breakfast that I grew up on was eggs and bacon or sausage. And, and those foods are loaded with saturated fat. Um, and as well as high, uh, in, the eggs have a huge amount of cholesterol, and we've shown that cholesterol is also linked to Alzheimer's disease, just like saturated fat. Yeah. If I had a bowl of oatmeal instead, effectively, well, zero, zero cholesterol and effectively zero saturated fat. So to make it good, put on some cinnamon, put on some raisins, uh, slice up some bananas, or you could put on a few little bit of crumbled walnuts. So what have I done? I've taken away the bad fats and I've added the vitamin E to it. If I have my blueberry pancakes, skip the butter. If you want to put a little maple syrup on top, fair enough. Um, Blueberries in your pancakes are an interesting thing. Um, Researchers at the University of Cincinnati showed that older people who were having memory problems did better if they had uh, blueberries or grapes. The the anthocyanins in those foods seem to help them. Uh, The studies actually used the juices of these things, but you can do it with the 
the blueberry itself. Um, so, or scramble up, instead of scrambling eggs, scramble up tofu. For any tofu-phobic person out there, go get some tofu, scramble it into your pan, mix in a little nutritional yeast, uh, maybe some turmeric or something like that, a little salt and pepper. The, the second time you have it, you will be addicted yeah. to it. So good. You're, you're going to love it. So good. Um, I guess other people like uh, whole grain bagels, you know. We, we just had fine. a bagel breakfast here this morning, as a matter of fact. It's, these things are fine. And so the real rule is make sure you get your vegetables. Right. Because they give you, give you iron in the form that you can absorb, but you can also keep out if you're already iron overloaded. Have your fruits, have your whole grains, have your beans. Don't forget your B12. Real quick, lunch, dinner. Can you give us a couple ideas there? Sure. Uh, and the swaps are pretty simple. Let's say every day I have meat chili. Mm-hmm. Well, have bean chili instead. Very simple. If you're um, having a spaghetti dinner instead of meat sauce or the Alfredo sauce, which is loaded with with saturated fat, yeah. um, have the arrabbiata sauce, the marinara sauce, the, the wild oyster mushrooms on top of it, uh, the uh, artichoke hearts. You, know, you can make it delicious, yeah. but what you have done with this is you've knocked out all the saturated fat and you've avoided the trans fats too. Uh, you go to the sushi bar. Do not have the fish sushi unless you are really well insured. Uh, you know, you, everybody knows about the contamination in fish. Um, but you can get the cucumber cucumber roll or the asparagus roll. Um, get the sweet potato roll. Get the, get the seaweed salads. Um, seaweed is one of the great sources, actually, of iodine, which a lot of people are, are low in, and your thyroid gland is aching for a little bit of iodine, so seaweed is a, is a great source. If you're going to the, the Mexican place, get your bean burrito, skip the meat taco. Um, Often when people think international, Italian, Japanese, Mexican, Chinese, there are grain-based, vegetable-based dishes. Mm-hmm. Ze- effectively, zero saturated fat are very, very low, really healthy choices. You mentioned mushrooms there. I think you said oyster mushrooms. Uh, right. That's interesting because there was a study that recently came out, and I'm going to be talking about this with uh, our, our own dietitian, Maggie Neola, in just a little bit, uh, that showed mushroom consumption was associated with a lower risk of mild cognitive impairment, and in some cases, slowed its progression. Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of something that grows in the dark, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but uh, mushrooms have been uh, associated with reduced risk of breast cancer as well. Now, now, one thing, uh, cook them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think, well, just slice them up fresh, put them up on, your sal- on your salad. Um, some mushrooms actually have some natural formaldehyde that forms in the mushroom. Don't eat that. Um, but if they're sautéed, um, just, just, just in a pan. You, know, you could sauté them in vegetable broth or something like that. Or I had a salad at a, a restaurant not too long ago where the salad was topped with these little crispy things. I asked the, 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 the waiter, I said, what is this? It was shiitakes that they had pan-fried dry, and they turned into almost this kind of bacon feel. But it wasn't bacon. It was shiitake mushrooms. And it's, they are, it is so clever what people can do with mushrooms. And, and it's interesting to see the health benefits that, that apparently are coming out. I think we need more research. I don't want to buy mushroom stock yet, but, um, <laughs> but they are cool to use in a culinary way. The, the creativity in the kitchen never ceases to amaze me. Uh, but we only have a, a minute or two here left. So uh, we've talked about food here. Uh, I also think that we would be um, uh, good to talk about some other things here. Uh, exercise uh, in particular, yeah. right? Very good for the brain. Uh, yeah, I, I know you're a big sports person and you are, you are right. Uh, the University of Illinois researchers did a neat study, brought in 120 adults. And they were already having memory problems. And they asked them to lace up their sneakers and do a brisk walk three times a week. Mm-hmm. And the way they did it, these were sedentary people. And so they said, all right, 10 minutes. Just walk for 10 minutes 
Well, all right, I can do that. Do it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The next week, 15 minutes. The next week, 20 minutes. They're adding five minutes a week. And then once they got up to 40 minutes, three times a week of a, a brisk walk. And brisk means not a trudge, but also not you're not walking so fast that you can't speak, okay? So um, fast enough that you can kind of feel your heart is beating. After a year, everybody got memory tests, and they showed that their ability to learn and to recall was substantially improved. Whoa. And the idea is you're oxygenating your brain three times a week. The other thing, though, they actually did brain scans. And they looked at the hippocampus, which is at the center of the brain. It's, it's the primary memory organ. It decides what needs to be remembered and what's just discarded. The hippocampus shrinks over time, brain shrinkage. Hmm. The hippocampus in these people, after a year, they measured it, and it was actually the shrinkage was reversing. It was expanding again. No kidding. So for eating is really important, and I think it's the single most important thing, but lace up your sneakers and give that brain a blast of oxygen. Um, with and Now, a 40-minute brisk walk three times a week is what they did at the University of Illinois. Do you want to do more? Sure. I think you should. That is fascinating. That is good to know. All right, man. Lace up the sneakers and, and go for that brisk walk. Or anything equivalent. You know, a game of tennis, go out dancing. Um, anything that gets your heart pumping, that's, that's the, the thing. You know, um, weightlifting exercises, those are good, but you want your heart to beat faster, and that's the aerobics. Uh, sleep also plays an important role. Oh, man. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it sure does. It sure does. And it's the biggest problem people have because there's, there's too many good books and too many good things online, and so people are staying up to one in the morning. Um, the first half of the night is when your brain is involved in slow-wave sleep. That's, you do an EEG, and you discover that the, the slow-wave sleep is when your brain is filing away all the things that, that happened to you, all the words you learned, all the, all the things, so that you can find them tomorrow. If you're awake until 2 in the morning, you're not getting that slow-wave sleep. Right. And the second half of the night, in the early morning hours, is when your brain is involved in REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. You're dreaming. That's when your brain is integrating emotions and also physical skills like playing golf or playing the guitar or whatever it is. Um, and if you're not sleeping at that time, your emotional control is not good and your physical integration is not so good. So my moral of the story is I don't care how good your book is. I don't even care how great this podcast is. If the yes, it's Chuck, pretty good. It, <laughs> it is pretty good. If the clock strikes ten, turn it off and go to sleep. Gotcha. And turn it on again the next morning. Um, it is remarkable how good people will feel. And if you lose even fifteen or twenty minutes in there, you'll discover that you are not as as sharp the next day. But if if you Go to sleep around ten o'clock for for a normal work day. You're going to be you're going to feel dramatically better. So that also means be careful about coffee. Coffee's fine, but if you're over coffee coffeeing, you're not going to sleep as deeply as you do. And same with alcohol. Um, alcohol has all kinds of issues, but one of the nasty things about it is it transforms into an aldehyde that wakes you up around four in the morning. So be careful about those things. I did not know that about alcohol. It's it's a natural alarm clock, so to speak, huh? For many people, that glass of wine will lull them into sleep or beer or whatever it is. Yeah. But they wake up about 3, 4, 5 o'clock, and it's a certain kind of insomnia where you feel rotten and the problems of the world are descending on you and your to-do list is getting longer and more malignant and, and so forth. Um, and that was the alcohol transforming into an aldehyde. Well, that doesn't sound like much fun at all. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what was fun uh, was having you on the show again. It is, it is really always a treat. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Chuck.
Today, there are nearly 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's disease and millions more worldwide. And the disease's effects stretch far beyond just those people. It affects every member of their family, heartbreakingly taking their loved one away from them long before they've even left this earth. But that conversation with Dr. Barnard is a ray of hope. Alzheimer's runs in his family. Yes, it runs in his family and it runs in mine too. And I'm terrified that it is in my future. And perhaps it's the same for you. I would imagine so many of us share that fear. But we can take a deep breath now and know that there are certain things that we can do, certain foods that we can eat, certain foods that we can avoid, and certain steps that we can take to keep that gene suppressed. Because as we just heard, our genes do not have to be our destiny. We can do everything in our power to write our own history. Let's switch gears now. Turn our attention to some promising research. Research that shows that mushrooms should be on our mind. And on our plate, too, really. Dietitian Maggie Niola, she will be here now to talk about this research out of China that finds mushrooms can cut your risk of developing mild cognitive impairment, cut it right in half. MCI, as it's known, affects so many of us as we get older, far more than Alzheimer's. And here's the cool thing about this research, what the study found. You don't even really need to eat all that many mushrooms to experience their benefits. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the Weight Loss Champion, Chuck Carroll. Today's topic du jour, mushrooms and the mind. You know, there's a new study that was released that shows that eating mushrooms can help reduce your risk of mild cognitive impairment. That's important because, as my next guest will explain, that is often the first sign that Alzheimer's is on the way. With that, we welcome to the show dietitian extraordinaire from the Barnard Medical Center, Maggie Neola. Welcome back, Maggie. Thank you. Interesting study here showing the link between mushrooms and slowing down or even helping to prevent mild cognitive impairment. What mm -hmm. what does this research really show here? Well, basically it shows that having about a cup and a half of cooked mushrooms a week can reduce your risk of developing mild cognitive impairment by 50%. So that's pretty feasible, right? It's an easy ask as long as you like mushrooms. But there are so many ways to eat them that I'm pretty sure we can find something that everybody will like. It really does not sound like a whole heck of a lot. What you said, a half of a cup? One and a half cups One and a throughout half cups. the week. So it doesn't have to be all at once. Um, and it can be, you know, canned, dried, uh, cooked mushrooms from raw, whatever you want. Um, and the study that recently came out showing this used a variety of different mushrooms. So different kinds. There's so many out there. Everybody can find something they'll be happy with. You know, my wife and I, uh, we're, we're mushroom people. They're versatile. I mean, there's kind of a mushroom for every occasion. And that's that's why I'm <laughs> excited about the study, not just because Alzheimer's unfortunately runs rampant in my family. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, really trying to do everything in my power not to get that. But because also, like, who, you know, mushrooms you can make, burgers out of mushrooms. We uh, just added a ton of them 
into marinara over the weekend. Ooh, we got a bag of too. frozen mixed mushrooms, and it, it's so nice. good. You just mix it in there. It gives it mm-hmm. kind of this meaty kind of texture, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yep, they are amazing. They're a really good meat swap. <laughs> it is what's up. Um, now, MCI, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about this. Um that is not to be confused with full-blown dementia. No. So MCI is when you, you first start becoming a little bit forgetful about things. Mm-hmm. So it's an early sign. Basically, you're starting to forget recent conversations, uh, recent events that have happened. Uh, so you think about it, that's going to impact your day-to-day living if you can't remember like little things that just happened. Like um, what you had for breakfast or talking mm-hmm. with somebody earlier in the day. Something yeah. Like that. And this is, um, it affects about 20% of people over the age of 65. Um, so that's a fair amount. And then with Alzheimer's disease, there's about 10% over the age of 65 that have Alzheimer's, uh, which would sort of be that progression. Uh, but the good thing is, is that your nutrition and your sleeping, different ways to engage your brain can help reduce that risk quite a bit. That That is... Uh, Really, 10%. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe doing research for the show, and, and I will need to fact check this, I believe that the rate of Alzheimer's is increasing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more people are, are becoming uh, diagnosed with it. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Currently 5.8 million people living with it in the U.S., and that's projected uh, to increase to 13.8 million by the year 2050 so that's over the next three decades that's Mm -hmm. that's quite the jump it is a really big jump that is easily more than double yeah easily more than double the cool thing um, about mushrooms too is that of all the food groups that are out there fungi have the most amount of this antioxidant called ergothionine which is what is thought to be the brain protective element um to these mushrooms so um like by far like the next food group that has some of this antioxidant in there are beans um but mushrooms like by far have way more than any other food that's really interesting i i I don't think that the average person considers mushroom to be an antioxidant rich food you think antioxidant you would think like grapes for instance Mm -hmm. a lot of people turn to wine for antioxidants (laughs) but you're saying go with the mushroom yeah i mean there's so many different kinds of mushrooms right or sorry different kinds of antioxidants um, but this particular one that they're studying is mostly abundant in mushrooms. That is impressive. Now, this wasn't a small study uh, that they did. This They had, what, 600 people that were in the study, and they mm-hmm. tracked them over how Six many? Six years. Six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good handful. We're, we're not talking about anecdotal science here. No, it's pretty big. Um, I'm sure that, obviously, research could continue to expand. But, oh, I'm sure. Um no, that's definitely significant. That I would say so. Six hundred people over six decades, mm-hmm. uh, six years, so, uh, <laughs> right? Duh. They're over the age of six. Age, decades. I got that's a lot of sixes. <laughs> so many sixes. It, I mean, I'm confused. I know. Uh, you know, forgive me. Um, <laughs> it's okay. What's your um, what's your favorite kind of uh, mushroom? Just by you know, the by, I know that you're quite the chef. I'm not sure that I have a favorite. The king, king, king trumpet mushrooms have been really interesting lately, but I haven't worked with them a whole lot. Um, but I most frequently use portobello mushrooms just because they have a little bit more depth of flavor as opposed to the white button ones, which are probably most common. Right. Those are the ones that you find in salad or they're easy to saute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, really easy to do. We actually have a lot of good mushroom recipes up on our website. We sure do. Uh, we just came from the local ABC affiliate here in Washington, D.C. One of the recipes that uh, we prepared 
for this particular segment, Maggie, you were actually talking about this uh, with my wife on the show, mm-hmm. um, was uh, the barbecue portobello. And that that's so good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's, we have the recipe. It's a homemade barbecue sauce. Um, and you can either saute the mushrooms like when you're marinating them or you can grill them, whichever you prefer. But I like grilled a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just barbecue. You got to have the grill, yeah, right? Right. It's perfect for summer. So you can... You can eat them as is or put them on a hamburger bun. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so mushrooms, MCI. Do we know any other, real quick before we, we mm-hmm. switch back to the brain, any other health benefits that mushrooms have? That mm, I mean, they have fiber. So ah. that's good. And protein. <laughs> Everything has protein. I know. Any good plant-based eater would tell you. That's right. Uh, okay, so fiber is definitely a plus, and mm-hmm. we know then that uh, fiber is good for just about everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, that is a magical nutrient. Sure is. Like, if, if I could only choose one nutrient for the rest of my life, I'm pretty sure it'd be fiber. That's awesome. That's a, that's a strong one. All right. Cool. So we talked about how mushrooms are beneficial for the brain. What other foods should people be turning to mm-hmm. to kind of boost that brain, reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, reduce the risk of MCI? Right. So um, vitamin B6 and folate are beneficial for your brain. They can be found in dark leafy greens like spinach. Um, they can also be found in beans and other legumes and then also whole grains like brown rice, for example. So mm. those are good sources of, of the vitamin B6 and folate. Um, the berries have certain antioxidants that are good for your brain. And then vitamin E is a really good one as well, which is found primarily in nuts and seeds. So a little bit goes a long way. And those are all going to be very helpful. Okay, vitamin E. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about a couple other recipes. We, we did the portobello mushrooms, which, by the way, are up on uh, PCRM.org. I believe they're on the 21-day vegan Kickstarter. They're not on the plan, but they're in the recipe database. All right. So PCRM.org slash recipes, and you can find the barbecue portobello mushrooms there. There you go. They're mm-hmm. delicious. It's worth your time. Uh, what other ones? I know that we did quite a few uh, on mm-hmm. uh, ABC7 this morning. So which, which other ones are in your repertoire? Yeah. Um, well, there are the garlic mushrooms. So for people who... Most people like garlic and mushrooms together. Um, And if you're not really up for trying a mushroom you've never had before, you can use the white button mushrooms for this and saute them. It's a a side dish, Um, but really simple. It's basically like smoked paprika, some salt and pepper on your mushrooms with fresh garlic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can top it off with some fresh parsley um, chopped on and put that on top. A little garnish. Mm -hmm. Garnish, which is edible and you should eat it because it's actually good for you. we, okay, uh, real quick while I'm uh, getting the other recipe out. Uh, the health benefit of parsley is? It's good for your liver. Um, it has its own antioxidants in there. It's like a leafy green. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Parsley. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even begin to pronounce this. Uh, feijoada portobello? You know, I, I could be wrong too, but I think it's feijoada. It's Brazil. It's Brazilian. Uh, um, I, I'm, I apologize to the person that named that dish. I just butchered it. It's okay. I might have too, but... We do our best. Uh, we sample that. That you know, it's a black bean dish, and it is really, really good. What all is in there? Yeah, so it's like a it's a nice like bean and mushroom stew. The other vegetables in there are carrots and chayote squash, which is like also really good, but not very common. Um, so if you can't find that, you can use zucchini or some other kind of summer squash. Very similar in terms of texture. There's eggplant. Um, I think I said carrots already, uh, and then yeah. it's flavored with some a little bit of orange juice uh, and maybe cilantro, something like that. Yep, cilantro. Those are going to really add a lot of flavor to it. And those are all simple ingredients. You know, you, it mm-hmm. doesn't take, 
you, you don't have to have gone to, uh, you know, like a culinary arts school to be able to whip this together. No, you can make this. Soups are really simple. Yeah. Um, so this is an excellent, like, hearty soup. Um, and I recommend serving that with some, brown, like, brown rice. Mm-hmm. Um, again, getting in that vitamin B6 and folate and just, like, a more hearty meal. So including the whole grains, legumes, and veggies is a perfect trio. Fiber. Fiber. Got to have the fiber. Yeah. Uh, that's another one you can find up on uh, PCRM.org slash recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh and good luck with the spelling. I'll just spell it out for you. That's F E I J O A D A. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that's that's all good stuff. Um, you are an expert with food. So real quick, mm-hmm. really, really quick, and I promise you this is the last question. Okay. Can we go over kind of the different textures of the mushrooms? If somebody's a mushroom novice mm-hmm. and they want something for a burger, a lot of people will turn automatically to the portobello. Yeah. Is that the go-to for? It's pretty common, right? Like, just like I said, the white button's really common. The portobello is really has been common in the past, like, three or four years and trendy. But um, more as of late, people are looking at oyster mushrooms. Mm. Um, it's not that the texture is all that different. It's just that they, they pull apart really well. They um, So if you wanted to, like, create more of, like, a, a, uh, like a shredded look, yeah, um, that would be cool, like a pulled meat if you will yeah um so the oyster mushroom is really fun it's just a matter of making sure you get some of the moisture out you brown it um there's different like ways to prepare it but you could press it in a panini press if you want because an oyster mushroom is not flat there's like all these different like folds essentially it it is a weird looking thing isn't Mm -hmm. it so you just got to get rid of like the foot of the mushroom and then you can put it in a panini press or just put something like a heavy skillet on top of it while it's in the saute pan to flatten it a little bit, um, just so you can cook it on all edges. <laughs> we'll uh, put up some pictures of oyster mustard. I'll tweet it out from at Chuck Carroll WLC. We'll also put that up on the uh, Instagram, same one, at Chuck Carroll WLC, uh, <laughs> just because they do, they look so daggone funky. They're really funky looking, yeah. Uh, and then shiitake mushrooms are kind of interesting. I feel like they're their own. Quite popular. Yeah, they're also popular, but they are a little bit chewy. Um, so that's unlike any other mushroom that I've had, right. but they're really fun too. Perfect. Like you can just slice them really thinly and bake them in the oven with a little bit of salt and pepper and then they crispen up which yeah. is really cool and yeah. as they cool they crispen up even more they're perfect salad topper absolutely uh i actually prefer shiitakes either sauteed or baked uh mm-hmm. over raw uh, oh yeah no no i don't well some mushrooms are not good to eat raw like they're not safe some of them oh, really? not all mushrooms i don't know which ones but um, oh, generally speaking, it's probably mm. good to cook your mushrooms. That is, that is good to know. Mm-hmm. That is good to know. I'm assuming that the white button mushrooms are okay. The, I'm pretty sure those are yeah. fine. A lot of people eat those raw okay. and they're in a okay. lot of crudite dishes. But, uh, <laughs> That's good to know. That's but good. some mushrooms you shouldn't eat raw. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I are big fans of the shiitake. Um, those uh, in, the, in the bag of frozen mixed mushrooms that we get, those are the primary mushroom in there. And they're, they're mm-hmm. chewy. That's why the, I like mm-hmm. them so much in the, in the marinara because it's, it, you like that it makes texture. it like a hearty kind of a thing you know huh, i'll have to so, try that yeah, yeah yeah i grew up eating meat sauce quote unquote right right and so here we have something that kind of replicates that a little bit and mm-hmm. obviously is far healthier mm-hmm. so it's it's a good option i highly yeah. recommend it young lady. i will i'll make next time i make pasta marinara there you go <laughs> all right maggie neola she is more than just a face on tv and on a podcast she is a very real dietitian and is here for your consultation needs uh you are up at the barnard medical center two floors up from the podcast studio mm-hmm. uh, barnardmedical.org if people uh, want to look you up and and they want to come see you for a consult on nutrition what can they expect Well, um, it's a good opportunity to ask basic questions if you want to about 
your nutrition. Um, if you want to particularly focus on weight loss or blood sugar management or cholesterol, that's always good. Uh, a fun opportunity is to see what you're eating and you know where we can make improvements together. What, what's a good starting point? So, do you ask people to bring in a full food journal, like the last three, four, five days? If you can, that's such a good way to see better reflection of what you're eating, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just one point in time. So, the more we can talk about and like the more questions I can ask someone initially in a visit, the better because cool. I can learn more about your lifestyle and your diet and all that good stuff. I would imagine even people that are pretty conscientious about what it is that they eat, when they log that journal mm-hmm. and or even just have a conversation with you, it's still an eye opener. You know, it's yeah. like you, you, you kind of there's always room for improvement. You know, that's the Every best day. way to put it. You Every know? day. And that's I, I would say there's always opportunities yes. that lie ahead. Yeah. So. Maggie Miola. BarnardMedical.org, if you are in the Washington, D.C. area, is the place to go to book that appointment. And we will have you back on the program very, very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Before we move on, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you. Thank you for making the exam room part of your life. Having the opportunity to bring this show to you every week is truly the honor of a lifetime. This week, it marks the 10th anniversary of my weight loss journey. It began September 1st, 2009, and I had no idea what that journey would look like or how long it would last or whether it would just be another failed diet. But I got to tell you, it has been the most incredible experience, and it is culminating by doing these shows for you every week. I was 420 pounds and on my way to an early grave. There was zero chance I would ever grow as old as my family members when they were diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So really, that wasn't even a concern. I was just worried about hitting 30. And here I am today, 37, healthier than I've ever been, happier than I've ever been, and 275 pounds lighter than I was. And this journey, just to get real with you for a second, it has been about so much more than just health. It's about finding who you truly are and realizing that you can achieve your dreams. Nothing is unattainable. So thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for being part of this journey, this ongoing journey where every single day we write a new chapter. Just wanted to let you know how grateful I am that you're here. Now then, let's celebrate party time. Let's celebrate and put a capper on today's show with an amazing recipe sure to please your palate. Chef Lauren Kretzer is back with a dish that can help keep the risk of developing MCI at bay. And why is that? Because it features mushrooms, of course. And this one is super tasty. So bon appetit, my friend.
Continuing our look at Power Foods for the Brain here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Specifically, we are talking about mushrooms today. This new study comes out and it says that mushrooms can lower your risk of developing mild cognitive impairment. And so you think mushrooms, you think power food, but I think it's also powerful for the palate. And so I am very excited to welcome to the show Lauren Kretzer, who has whipped up an amazing recipe for us that features mushrooms. And Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong, it also has some kale in there. Is that right? That is true. Ah, two of my favorite. <laughs> so we things. have, um, yeah, we have a hefty dose of kale in there, plenty of mushrooms, and lots of umami ingredients to uh, entice those taste buds. Now, before we get going uh, on this recipe, and we're going to take the wraps off here, I should say everybody needs to go follow Lauren right now on Instagram, at Chef Lauren Kretzer. That's K-R-E-T-Z-E-R. You will not regret it. It is absolutely amazing stuff on there. And and check her out as well, LaurenKretzer.com. Now about this recipe what exactly are we whipping up today so farro is kind of um an alternative to rice it's uh it's not gluten-free but it's a great grain to introduce into your diet it's got a wonderful bite to it um a chewy texture similar to like a barley sort of um if you're familiar with that and um here i've made sort of like a, a warm salad with it so i've paired it with um the aforementioned cremini mushrooms which are baby uh portobello mushrooms and we have some kale in there, some garlic, some miso, some nutritional yeast, and some walnuts for crunch. So you've got a lot of umami ingredients, as I mentioned before. That's um, kind of our hidden uh, sense in our in our palates. So that's sort of makes you think, hmm, what what's that in there? And that's uh, just a way to really boost flavor in a meal. So we get that from miso, from mushrooms, from nutritional yeast. And you can serve this as a meal, um, kind of like you would a risotto, or you can serve it as a side dish. So whatever you're making for dinner, you can find a way to add this into your menu. So the recipe list seems like it's pretty straightforward. How much time are we looking at to actually put this thing together from start to finish? Um, I would say this could be ready in under a half hour, as long as you use the pearled farro. So pearled farro is um, sort of like a quick cooking farro. It should only take between 20 and 25 minutes. So as long as you find that in the supermarket, um, you should be good to go in under a half hour. Pearled farro. All right, real quick, walk us through the steps here. Is this going to take some sort of like master degree in chefology to, <laughs> to serve this up to the family? No, absolutely not. This is um, pretty basic, and it's adaptable as well. So if you don't have kale, you could throw in spinach, you could throw in Swiss chard, you could throw in finely chopped collard greens. So the greens are fairly interchangeable. Um, you also don't necessarily even need to use cremini mushrooms. You could use shiitake mushrooms, white button mushrooms, finely chopped portobello mushrooms, um, so whatever you have on hand. And um, then you could just tinker with the seasonings to your specific palate. So it's definitely not scientific in nature. Um, it comes together, like I said, fairly quickly. So this is by no means something where you need to be an experienced cook to whip up. Um, so pretty much what we're doing is we're avoiding oil in this recipe to keep it pretty low fat. So we're going to do a, a water saute. So basically I have some vegetable stock in the pot where you're going to saute your mushrooms and then you're going to be adding in your kale and your seasonings and just cooking that down for under 10 minutes until everything's nice and soft and um, incorporated. And while you're cooking your veggies, your farro is going to be cooking um, in a separate pot. So you're just cooking that again with some stock, some bay leaf for flavor, a tiny bit of salt, and that'll be done in under a half hour. And then when both components are finished, you just combine them. 
Um, you can compost your bay leaf or throw it out. And then everything else just kind of gets stirred and combined until it's nice and delicious. Then you add in your lemon juice and your toasted nuts and black pepper at the very end. And it's good to put on the table at that point. That sounds absolutely delicious to me. Now, here's here's what I like about you that I don't think that our listeners know, is that this isn't a recipe that you found in a book. This is your own creation. This is what you actually do. You come up with these fantastic recipes, and you, you bring them to life. And so this is, I'm so excited. I almost feel like this is an exam room exclusive that we have here. <laughs> well, I was very excited to make this recipe for this audience because I myself am a huge fan of um, of the podcast. So, and I I know I get excited when I get a free recipe anywhere. So, <laughs> I wanted to provide something to everyone so that they could immediately incorporate mushrooms into their diet because I definitely believe they're a superfood. And uh, and yes, recipe development is um, my primary work at the moment. Um, so, I'm a trained chef. I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute, and so um, right now I've been doing recipe development for various outlets and authors and things like that. So I wanted to come up with this for the podcast. And I would assume then that if uh, some listeners wanted to hire you and say, hey, Chef Lauren, can you help us out? You'd be more than happy to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. So as I said, I've worked with authors, media outlets, um, private institutions, individuals, you name it. I've I've probably done it, and uh, it's it's great work, and I'm excited to uh, to promote it here on on the podcast. Well, we are certainly excited to have you here and this delicious recipe. We're going to put this up on pcrm.org/podcast. You can find it there, and I would also encourage you to go check out laurenkretzer.com, where you can find, I'm sure, other delicious recipes, perhaps. Yes. So I have a blog and I occasionally post up new recipes and you can also subscribe to my newsletter and I email out recipes to subscribers as well. Well, aren't you just a little slice of culinary heaven? (laughs) Thank you. All right, Lauren Kretzer, this is just amazing. I'm going to cut this interview off right now and I'm going to head over to our little kitchen and I'm going to whip this up and I will give a full report at the end of the show. Lauren, thank you so very much for taking the time today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And the full report, I give it a 10 out of 10. That is a true mushroom masterpiece. Chef Lauren Kretzer comes through again. She knows what she's doing in that kitchen. That is for doggone sure. And I tell you what, if I ever write a book, heck, if you ever write a book and you ever need recipes, you better believe she is the person to reach out to. Chef Lauren Kretzer. But as for that recipe, you can find it right now. We've posted it up on pcrm.org slash podcast. Let's talk about next week's show for a second. Because next week's show is a game changer. Nay, it is all about the game changers. The Game Changers is a new documentary that will be shattering the myth that athletes need to eat pounds and pounds of chicken and steak to get those big hulking muscles, that they need to drink gallons of milk to recover after workouts. This film connects the dots for athletes, showing that it's time we rethink what we've been taught our entire lives about getting ready for competitions. 
showing us that one of the strongest men in the world is fueled exclusively by a plant-based diet, showing us that NFL players can win Super Bowls after ditching meat and dairy, showing us that you can be a world-class race car driver tearing up the Formula One circuit and have the body of a Greek Adonis while you're doing it, and you're vegan. And one of the people featured in that film will be joining us right here on the show next week. He is a man who was in charge of keeping million-dollar athletes healthy. The former team physician for both an NFL and a Major League Baseball franchise. Dr. Jim Loomis will be joining me on the exam room. You know, there is so much bro science in in the locker room and weight rooms, mm-hmm. um, especially with more of this on the strength train side. So where does their information come from? Well, it comes from, you know, the, the strength and conditioning coaches. It might come from the trainer. It come, they come from each other. And it's very much based not in evidence, but in, you know, bro science, I call it. Anecdotal. Yeah, and, yep. and you know, you would go to the lot weight room in the carnal locker room. There, there would be literally blenders scattered around with big tubs of whey protein. Oh, yeah. You know, you would go to the pregame meals uh, with the Rams when we would travel on the road, you know, and you would go down for breakfast at 8 o'clock for a noon game, and, you know, there would be steak and chicken breast and pasta because you had to get your protein and your carbs. And, and it, it really was misguided. But that has changed, I think, nowadays, and especially after Game Changers comes out. I, I think... You know, you look at the Tennessee Titans, uh, who, who are featured in Game Changers as well. Um, and two years ago, I think 13 members of that team ended up going plant-based. Mm-hmm. It was started by Derek Morgan, uh, mm-hmm. uh, began that kind of journey. And, you know, he talks about how at first people were kind of making fun of him. And then as they see he's having this career year, leading league in sacks and, you know, not getting injured. And he's not in the training room all the time. And he's able to recover faster. They're coming up to him. Hey, you know, what is it you're doing again? And next thing you know, his, his wife uh, is actually a, a, a plant-based chef. Yeah, Charity, which, she's yeah, been on the program. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, preparing meals for, for half the team. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that, that every day you read about another athlete who's gone plant-based. Even if you're just a weekend warrior playing pickup games on Saturday and Sunday, or if you're a parent of an athlete, this show is one you're not going to want to miss. Tons of mind-blowing information will be coming out of this one. So subscribe to the show right now on Apple Podcasts and wherever shows are available to make sure that you are among the first to download it. And that way, it will be waiting for you as you make your way to the office next Wednesday. And here's the other cool thing about subscribing, if I could just take a second. When you subscribe, you actually also help get this information out in front of as many people as possible. It improves our rankings in Apple Podcast, and the higher the ranking, the more people see the show, the more people download the show, the more people have access to this information, like today. Just by subscribing, you can help so many people realize that Alzheimer's doesn't have to be their fate. You can help them realize that mushrooms are something they should be eating to keep their mind in tip-top condition. All you got to do is click that little subscribe button. 
So do that right now at Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee, and we would be ever so grateful. Also, be sure to give us a couple of follows on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Carroll with two R's and two L's, the WLC, standing for Weight Loss Champion. And the Physicians Committee is on Twitter at PCRM. And on the gram, a little bit different, it's at Physicians Committee, just written out. So follow us for health facts and for inspiration, and then hit us up. Let us know if there's a topic that you would like for us to cover. We would love to do it. We get so many great show ideas based off of your feedback. So keep that coming. As for this week, that is all the time that we have. So my thanks again to Dr. Neil Barnard, to Maggie Neola, and of course, the delightfully talented chef, Lauren Kretzer. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.